All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms To the line, Hughes scores! In this existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Happy Friday, everyone. This is the Canucks Conversation Podcast and live on YouTube, delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. That's what I'm talking about. Harmon Dial in here with me. It's another edition of Fridays with Harm here on the Canucks Conversation. Our technical producer, Alex Allard, he watched The Grinch this morning, so we'll see what his mood is like if he's picked up any of the tendencies from The Grinch. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But 
First, I want to mention we have a guest today as well. Alexa Potak going to be joining us uh, at about one fifteen here. Excited to chat about some Swedish prospects with her. And our guests, they're brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic and the Boxing Week deals just around the corner. So get ready for those. You can check them out. ZephyrEpic.com for all the Pokemon, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, sports cards, and our promo code Hockey Season, all one word, Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, $5 off your order and free shipping all throughout Canada. Harm. We're rocking the Christmas chains today. And I almost pulled this off last night of the game. I showed you the picture of it. I had it on right before leaving, but I decided not to wear it. I did throw the pendant on um, to keep it 1,000. I thought it was 100. You're going 1,000 here. Blow it up. Keep it to 1,000. You got got the gold and silver one shining there. Some diamonds mixed in. We're feeling good. Definitely legit. You know what? This happens actually now that I think about it because Alexa is going to be like, what the hell are these guys wearing? This is what they look like all the time because we did this with uh, when Jet Wu joined the show. Quads was in his like oversized uh, like comfy hoodie thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then like he's like, oh, like right when we started, like he was like, oh, sorry, Jet. I forgot that I'm wearing this. And Jet was like, oh, no, it's fine. I have like the same hoodie actually as well. So (laughs) maybe maybe Alexa will be like, oh, I have the same chain as well. Let me throw it on real quick. I somehow doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we got uh, a lot to get to, and it's our final show here before Christmas. We'll have some fun near the end of the episode, uh, but we can have some fun actually talking about the Vancouver Canucks as well because Patterson, coming off of a sickness, he was sick last night as well. With five points in the game, the shootout winner, let's just dive right into what we saw last night. Um, It was Patterson's fifth or sorry, fourth five-point night of his career. He's played in 275 games in the NHL. For the fourth time, he's put up five points. Just an incredible game throughout. He's now up to 39 points in 30 games this season. It was just it was a good feeling at the rink yesterday. Very different feeling watching this Canucks team when Pedersen's on the ice. We got the tweet up here from Dmitry Filipovich as well. What a night for Pedersen. Scores two goals, three assists, eight shot attempts. And the Canucks, the goal differential with Pedersen on the ice for 19-33 last night. 5-0. and oh. They scored five, do not get scored on. When Pedersen wasn't on the ice, Canucks gave up five goals and were not able to score one goal. What a night for Pedersen. Where do you want to start with what you saw last night? Unbelievable. And it's funny because the way the game started, I thought this might end up being pretty similar to the games against St. Louis and Winnipeg, where Seattle, through the first 10 minutes, was all over Vancouver, and they were just coming out dominating in terms of spending zone time winning puck battles, the speed differential was noticeable. Vancouver, for whatever reason, just couldn't clear the puck out of the end, uh, out of their own end. Like I, I don't even know. Like, forget about moving it out with possession. The amount of board battles or clearances where it's like a weak backhand, gets stopped, stopped at the line somehow, and uh, the Kraken were able to keep the puck in the end. There was a 2-on-0 that Spencer Martin stopped, a bunch of rush chances. And then, of course, the um, Jared McCann going far side, catching uh, Martin sleeping at the wheel after he had bailed them out so many times earlier as well, which is kind of the story of watching him even 10 goal, <laughs> is uh, is he'll make all these unreal high danger chances. And then it's the softy that you figure is, is, is an absolute freebie save that he somehow lets up. How funny was it? You and I, between us in the press box, Kevin Woodley, who who did the intermission panel, and he's like, oh, you know, before the game starts, he's kind of talking to both of us. And he's like, oh, I hope it's like a good period for me to talk about goaltending. And that's the first goal that's given up. Uh, we didn't obviously, we can't hear what's being said on the panel, but I wonder if uh, if Woodley had to address that early on. But yeah, tough situation for Martin. But he made the bounce back. But you, Absolutely. you brought it up. It felt like that game, you know, when the score is 5-3, I'm like, ah. And well, even in the even second period. Yeah. Like, at the, 3-1, it was like, oh man, especially mm-hmm. when they scored quickly back-to-back, it's like, this could unravel really quickly. 
I, there was a time where I watched, you know, early in the second period, I think I'm looking at it, I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, I think it was the 3-1 goal. I'm like, oh, they, it's over, right? Like, they, they're, the effort level you could just see was different. But, man, I tell you, Pedersen just dragged him into the fight last night. Like, he, he had a great game, obviously, uh, with the five points in that game. But it was just more than that. It was more about, you know, what he was doing in the defensive zone. Spencer Martin talked about that a little bit later. I felt like he was pretty early in the game taking really short shifts. Like, he was always the first to shift off. So, obviously, the sickness was affecting him. It just didn't seem to affect his actual play when the puck was near him. Throughout the game, like, just stick handling into his own zone, stick handling the puck out of trouble, everything. Like, you you know, you're damn lucky that Elias Patterson is on the Vancouver Canucks and able to play in games for this team because without him, this is a much different-looking team. And it was... All the excitement last night came off the stick of Elias Patterson. You just so much fun to watch, and and it was on full display last night. It was pretty crazy as well because you mentioned the fact that he was still feeling the effects of the sickness. I wasn't sure if he was even going to play. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think anyone in the organization was quite sure that he was even going to dress tonight until pretty close, uh, pretty close to it. Obviously, he ended up taking the morning skate, but the fact that. Uh, he drew in under those circumstances. And keep in mind, Boudreaux was hesitant too. He said he was apprehensive, unsure about what version of Pedersen he was going to get. And so you saw in the first period ice times, Pedersen was around the four and a half minute mark. Mm. He was playing third line minutes, being sort of eased into the situation. And then obviously towards the end of the first period, he had that sick rush play where... Kuzmenko was sort of holding the puck at, at the offensive blue line. Pedersen was gathering steam without the puck, and it was kind of like a handoff play, handing mm-hmm. the baton off, and Pedersen was flying down the wing. Perfect play to sort of thread the needle, and that's that's one thing that sticks out about Pedersen compared to every other player on this team is that ability to make, to thread the needle and make that perfect pass while rarely turning it over in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen instances here and there where he might try and make an extra play in the defensive end and it ends up resulting in a turnover. But on the offensive side of the puck, he's almost always right on the mark in making that play. doesn't matter if it's a flat pass. doesn't matter how aggressively the, the defender is closing on him. doesn't matter if he has, has to sauce the puck over traffic. He's consistently finding it tape to tape. And that's really important because in today's NHL, defensemen are are asked to sort of step up in the rush really aggressively. And what you'll notice is if you screw up on your odd man rushes because of how far up the ice your defenders are, it's going to be an odd man rush back the other way. Right. And if you remember, that's how the Canucks um, scored one of their goals during their comeback was Seattle had this odd man rush. I'm trying to remember which goal it was. Maybe it was Kuzmenko's in the third period. But they, you know, I think Martin had made a good save and they were and the Canucks were just, that Patterson line was flying back up the ice and they had that uh, pretty tic-tac-toe goal. But, I mean, I, I just don't even know how you could, how, how else you can sort of describe Pedersen's dominance, dominance. There was an inevitability watching him play in that third period where it was more surprising to see him on the ice and have a shift where he didn't score. Yeah. That's how dangerous it felt. It, honestly, the whole time in that third period, even when they were down 5-3, as soon as Kuzmenko scored... I I just sort of knew in the back of my mind, like the way Pedersen's going, there's no way the Canucks don't at least tie it and force an overtime or shootout. I think that the one that was really interesting, the one you brought up there, I forget if it was a three on two or just a three on three rush for the Kuzmenko goal. Such a smart play by Kuzmenko that doesn't get talked about as well, but watch how that play like develops where yes, Pedersen comes in with the puck, 
gains some space. I think it was a three on two. Then he makes a pass across to Peterson, who obviously makes a great pass across to to Kuzmenko as well. But I mean, like Kuzmenko's ability to go to the net is so it's so great at five on five because that gives Pedersen such an option to. Listen, his shot is obviously good, and it was on display yesterday. He had a really nice one-timer uh, to tie the game up at 5-5. But those little tap-in things, like, that's where Pedersen's smarts really come to show, and his playmaking so well, like, such a high level as well, that when he's playing with a guy like Kuzmenko who has such a good stick near the net, you love to see those kind of goals at five, like on the power play, right? Like, those those happen. Yeah. You're going to get like the, the opportunity for it. Exactly. But with Kuzmenko at 5-1-5, making that happen, that's... Like, that's a massive skill in its own right, being able to score those goals. You saw Brock Besser earlier in the game have one of those tap-ins that didn't find the back of the net. He couldn't get a good, you know, good wood behind it and couldn't put it into the back of the net. But with Kuzmenko, it's such a skill to me to see him, you know, work around the crease. And it's not like he's this big-body guy. It is like the evolution of what a net front presence player is, right? And Kuzmenko's ahead of, like, ahead of the game with that. He did it all in the SH or in the cage hall when he was over there last year, and you could really start to see it. I didn't think he was going to have this type of immediate success right now, but it's clear that when he's playing with Pedersen, the intelligence is the thing that's what's leading that line offensively, right? Like, both of them have a good shot, and when the good shots happen, that's going to be great. But to me, it's like watching a line play smart offensive hockey is so great to see. And I think that's what you're getting with Kuzmenko. That's why he's having success with Pedersen. And Pedersen's going to be interesting to see play with them for what I think might be a little bit of time here because he finished at a ridiculous level in the AHL and you can ask Sheldon drives like finishing at the AHL and finishing at the NHL. It's very different, but a right shot guy with some good size, some good length, a good one timer from Peterson. It'll be interesting to see where he kind of shakes out with this team, especially with, with Huglander and pod Colson um, down in the AHL. If Peterson starts to show some success, it might be a better thing to leave pod Colson and Huglander down there long-term. Absolutely. I mean, that was really the, the issue for, Pod Colson and Hoglander in terms of their fit whenever they'd play with Pedersen is you would see positive attributes in terms of their ability to make plays, how they got open, but time and time again, they seem to, at least this season anyway, struggle to bury their chances and actually, and actually finish and capitalize on them. And, mm-hmm. and you can't afford to have that when Pedersen's on the ice. That's what makes what you're referencing earlier with Kuzmenko so critical is he never screws up those opportunities when he does find open ice, which you're always going to find when Elias, when you're playing on a line with Elias Pettersson, he's going to be the player that draws all the defenders in all eyes and attention are going to be on him. So when you think about wingers who can compliment him, well, you don't necessarily need a play, uh, a line mate that can, dazzle with the puck and, and make a ton of pretty plays and, and create space you more just need someone who can find that open ice and just capitalize on those chances and have and have the smart instincts to know where the next play could be and and how Pedersen sort of thinks the game that's where Kuzmenko has obviously been a really special fit and with Pedersen too uh Peterson I should say yeah um, it's gonna be tough for that <laughs> I know I know uh but with Peterson off the rush, like he buried that chance and, and he and he did it with conviction. He didn't hesitate, which I think um, in in the first sort of uh, game we saw him play, he was a little bit hesitant to shoot, to, shoot uh, to pull the trigger on a shot. I, I think there was one rush in his first game where he had a great, he had ton, tons of time and space to shoot, but he seemed to try and um, pass back to try and find the trailer. But you saw that decisiveness out of uh, out of Peterson, even with the pass to set up Kuzmenko. What a, what a pretty feed! I, I think that decisiveness and having that confidence and faith in himself is going to be essential because 
when you talk to a lot of players that first make the jump from the AHL to the NHL, I think the the biggest hurdle is often mental in terms of trusting their own ability to try to try things and trust their finishing ability to trust their playmaking ability and not just revert to the safe play and not screwing up. I think that first game we saw Peterson was maybe in in his shell a little, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think um, against uh, the Kraken on the line with Pedersen, he just trusted his instincts. There was uh, a decisiveness, and I think that's going to be essential for him to continue to be a good fit on that line moving forward. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, I, I expect him to play tonight. By the way, we have a game against the Oilers tonight. We got some good bets to get to as well later on in our Betway bets for that. But another thing that we saw with Pedersen back in the lineup, which we didn't see before he went out with the sickness, was um, Boudreaux kind of going back to that, what you would call like the, the strong spine of this team with the three centers down the middle. What did you think about seeing JT Miller kind of back in the center spot again with now Pedersen and Horvat in the lineup? I'm still not a believer in Miller at... Uh, and by the way, yesterday he's with Dakota Joshua and Brock Besser kind of to start the game, but we did see a little bit of movement pretty early on in the second period back to the Horvat and Miller shift, but it felt like the third period they got back to breaking that duo up and going with the three Cs. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I didn't love the other line combinations outside of the Pedersen one. I also think in terms of putting Miller in a position to succeed... I understand the logic of why Boudreaux sort of assembled Joshua and Besser because I'm sure Bruce is thinking about the Pearson-Miller-Besser line mm. around December-January of last year, which won a ton of puck battles, was able to control play on the cycle, and excelled that way. And, and I'm sure Boudreaux looks at Joshua's size and 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 the little bit of offensive touch he's shown this season, and maybe he thinks that it, you're able to kind of replicate what made that Pearson-Miller-Besser line successful last season. But Miller and Besser, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, they've looked great. I, I think for Besser especially, it was another tough game where it seemed like he wasn't winning his battles. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest difference I've noticed out of him is he seems a little bit soft on the puck. He's not able to make those plays along the wall, which is essential because he doesn't have the speed and the pace to make plays through, through the middle of the ice. And if he's not able to do that, then you're putting, I think, an unfair amount of uh, weight on JT Miller's shoulders to really drive an even strength line, whereas I think he needs uh, players who can also sort of help transition the puck up the ice and and sort of take that responsibility off his shoulders. So, yeah, with with Miller, Miller at center, it wasn't an ideal fit, but I also don't think he was necessarily in a great position to, to succeed because... Besser really wasn't living up to um, his potential on that line, I thought. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, with Pedersen back into the lineup if they want to go with that, because it feels like Bruce Boudreaux kind of talked about it earlier in the season that he needed to see JT Miller get going a little bit more on the wing before he moved him to center. But he's also told us in the past couple of weeks here that, like, that's where he wants to get him back to. That's where he thinks, that's where JT Miller tells him that's where he wants to play. He wants to play as a center. Um, it just. I wonder if you need to wait for the Horvat trade to to really go about that, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this team looks. You know, when the Horvat move happens, your top two centers are going to be Pedersen and Miller, and it's it's clear to see right now, to this point in the season, to this point of how these players are developing, playing two way game, everything that like Pedersen is going to be the one C, no debate after this happens. And I think you could have somewhat of a debate right now, looking at ice time, looking at how they're deployed in defensive zone shifts, everything. But I feel like once the Horvat move happens, like that is a going to be a big swing into 
Pedersen is our franchise player, our 1C. You've obviously heard the talks about it up to this point. Everybody in the fan base knows it right now that this is the untouchable in this team. Elliot Friedman reporting it, obviously, last week on the show, everything. It just it feels like maybe once we see that movement happen, I'm curious, do you think we're going to start to see a lot more of these you know, big matchups where Patterson's taking on McDavid every shift, where he's taking on McKinnon every shift, going up against these top players in the league. I, I wonder if it takes that to happen or if we're already at that stage. Because right now, maybe coming off a of sickness, you're not going to play Patterson in that role. But after the trade happens, like it's going to be very interesting to see how the top six kind of looks and is deployed. Because I think it's going to be a little bit different. You're right. I think Horvat, year in and year out, even going back to the Travis Green era, was consistently one of the most extreme players in the NHL in terms of when you would look at the matchup data and how often he'd play against elite competition. So you're essentially subtracting your matchup centerman, who Horvat isn't ideally suited to that role anyway, but he's been used, right? He's in in the coaching staff's, eye, coaching staff's eyes um, with Boudreaux and with, uh, with Green sort of been that go-to figure, and you remove him from the equation and you consider, was JT Miller... Forget absorbing matchup minutes against the other team's best players. <laughs> yeah. We're just hoping he can play center, period, and yeah, excel sure. there and play up to his potential. So I definitely don't want him in that in that position where he's having to go up against McKinnon and Matthews and, and McDavid every night because if he's only focusing on defensive results, not only not only does he not have the awareness to really excel in that role. And you're asking him, asking him to sort of play to his weaknesses, but it's going to take away from what he can do offensively, which is um, when you're paying him, going to be paying him $8 million as of next season, you're going to need him to produce at an elite clip. So Patterson absolutely is going to have to sort of absorb that uh, that role. And, and frankly, he's ready for it when you yeah, look at the maturation like it, sure. of his two-way game. Yeah, absolutely. And you're seeing that. Uh, that might be the biggest thing that's growing this year. Is like people really starting to see it. Like he's ready for that 1C match. And thing. the other thing too is, if the Canucks weren't a tire fire, mm. Pedersen would be a dark horse in the MVP conversation. Yeah. I don't think he'd be able to catch, like you look at the point differentials and whether it's a McDavid or you look at Jason Robertson even, I don't think he'd be in the conversation as a favorite or anything. But instead of Elliot Friedman on Hockey Night in Canada talk, talking about how the Canucks are a tire fire and, and where they may go next, which by the way is absolutely like that's the most important storyline around this team Instead, the conversation would be around nationally. Would be wow, look at the year Pedersen's having, and it's and and I feel like outside of the Vancouver market, it's been swept under the rug, and it's been overlooked because there's a million different things going on in terms of the future of the Canucks franchise, what's going on with Horvat, and all these other storylines. That it's uh, it's a shame that I don't e- don't even think Pedersen's getting recognized. Um, as as much as as he should be nationally, because I mean Nick Suzuki's having a great year, but there was some uh, TSN poll about mm. best players, uh, best U twenty three players in the league or something, and Pedersen was obviously ahead of Suzuki, and you saw a lot of um, a lot of fans going, "Oh, Suzuki over Pedersen." I'm like, "Are you guys nuts?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I love Suzuki; he's had a great year, but they're they're not close when you also factor in the the evolution of Pedersen and the uh, weight that Pedersen's having to carry right now too. Right? Exactly. I mean, that's a lot. 
All right. We got another Elias Pettersson to talk about. We got a great guest to talk, to talk about him with. Uh, so we got Elias Pettersson. We got Jonathan LeCaramacki, both of the world juniors. We're happy to be joined by Alexa Potak from Dauber Prospects, who I believe, Alexi, you told me you're heading over to Sweden pretty soon as well. You're getting away from the world juniors as far as possible. Uh, but we're excited to get you back on here uh, to chat about some Swedish prospects. I guess we'll just start there with the two players at the world juniors. Uh, Jonathan LeCaramacki, Elias Pettersson actually yeah. playing right now. I'm not sure if you were watching the game or not. I caught the first uh, period and a half. But let's get started with those two, LeCaramacki and Pettersson. What do you think their roles are going to be here at this World Junior Championships? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I think that... Um it's a very young team and a very inexperienced team at World Juniors, especially on the defensive side. So I think that in terms of Pedersen, it's it's his role to take to be, you know, a big defenseman on that team and, and to lead the decor there. I think that obviously there are other people that will be challenging him for that. But I think um, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from him this season. And I think he's, you know, I know he was playing on the third pairing today, but I, I think that um, – there will be a possibility, you know, if he's playing well, I think, I think the coaching staff, since it's a team that, you know, especially on the defensive side, doesn't have the strength that it's had in the past. I think whoever's playing well will get minutes. I think there's not going to be as much of a legacy or this guy plays really well over in Sweden. I think, you know, the good players will get probably a few more chances than the people they don't have as high expectations for. But um, I think if he can go out there and then show his dominance and play the way that he has been playing in the SHL recently I, I think that you know we could see a lot of him um in terms of Lekaramaki it's a powerful top six for Sweden this year they've they've got a lot of top prospects and very talented players in their top six I think it's going to be hard to break um they separated the your garden trio today I saw I caught a bit of the first period there um left him on the third line move the other two up I think He's going to need to earn his time. He hasn't played well enough in Sweden this season that he's going to just be handed opportunities on this team to play top six minutes. I think, you know, barring any 
injuries or unforeseen circumstances with this team, he's really going to need to outwork those top six players to get top six minutes. You know, if that doesn't happen, I think you're going to see a lot of him on the third line. I'm so happy to hear the way you started that with Petr Sean, the the way that uh, they say it back there. I want to ask more about him because... Yeah, 14 and a half minutes over his last five games. Like, I I was kind of tweeting it out. I'm like, career high in minutes, career high in minutes. It felt like he did that for two weeks. Um, we're seeing him at the World Juniors mm-hmm. now. Even today, had a tough giveaway, but playing physical, a lot of shots on net is what I saw in the first half of this game. What is it about yeah. Elias Pettersson that you like over there in Sweden? Um, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people look at his point totals. He definitely can put the puck in the net and, and help to set up plays, but something I've seen across a lot of Swedish prospects that might start to fit into that offensive defenseman mold is that they're not very good at defense Mm. or or certainly have, that's where the flaws in their game are. And I think, you know, I think this is something that you know that you've spoken about between his physicality and his defensive instincts. You know, I think he, he's very good using his stick in the defensive zone and, and to carry it through transitional play. I think he's a really well-rounded game in all areas of the ice, which has made him very successful and earned him, you know, constantly getting new career high ice times in the SHL. I think, you know, I, I, I've seen him play obviously a lot, a good bit this year with Orbru, but um, haven't gone out of my way as much. And so just recently looking closer at him, you know, it doesn't take very long to notice that he can slow the game down mm. when he's playing out there and that he can understand what's happening in front of him and um, has good reaction time to that. So I think overall, I've just been happy to see his game adapting to the SHL at like an even better pace than it was last year. Cause he got a good number of games last year, just obviously less ice time. And, and he certainly earned the increased time. With LeCaramacchi, he obviously hasn't had the season yeah. so far that uh, I think a lot of uh, fans are hoping, of course, on a, on a team with, um, right. uh, with another pair of, uh, of highly touted uh, first round picks as well. I'm curious what you've seen from him in the all Svenskin. I think obviously he had the experience last year in the SHL. So people were kind of hoping that he, down in the second tier league would hopefully tear it up. And we just haven't seen that as well. Obviously also battling illness with his mono and, and recently the, the concussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you seen out of uh, LeCaramacchi, both the good and the bad? Yeah. So I think, I think he still has the right ideas. He still has the same mind that he got drafted for. I think he's just had trouble converting. You know, you can see that he's setting plays up. He's just having trouble finishing them and, and getting that end result, especially in the offensive zone. I think a lot of his points this season also lack the confidence that I'd like to see from him. He's a good player. He got drafted high. I don't know what is bogging him down. I don't know if it's the injuries. I don't know if it's the relegation. Um, I don't know if it's just not playing well and, and feeling like you're below expectation and that continuing to weigh on you. It could be a number of different things, but he just isn't the dominant player, even in the professional leagues that we saw last year from him. He doesn't have the same confidence and the same swagger in his game. Um, he's getting a lot of power play minutes, which is a good thing. And I think a good way for him to like find his game again, because that's obviously somewhere where he's, you know, being set up to play well, though at this point, you know, he's averaging about two and a half minutes of power play time per game and hasn't been on that many power plays so far that have ended with a puck in the net. Um, which isn't all entirely on him, of course, but for a team that's, you know, their middle bottom in hockey, all Svenskin in power play, I think they're about 22%. He hasn't, I think he's been on, I was looking on instead earlier, four successful power plays this season, getting two and a half minutes a night through like 20 games. You'd like to see a little more there. (laughs) Um, But he keeps getting the minutes. So 
you know, hopefully that's something that comes with time. He just needs to really, I think, get his game back. It's still in his head. It's just not in his body at this point. With both of these players, the the exciting thing for Canucks fans is yeah. that they're eligible for next year's tournament as well. So I'm curious what your expectations are right. this year for the Mackey. Like what can you walk us through what a good tournament looks like for both of these guys? Yeah, sure. Pedersen's it's a little bit more unknown because I think overall the D pairings and, and the ice time for defense is a bit more unknown. I think, you know, a good tournament would be ending up in the top four and getting good minutes and, and you know, getting a couple points. I think the Swedish team this year is a little bit of an unpredictable situation. Obviously, they have some a strong top line and, and some good prospects scattered throughout their lineup, but um, they lost a lot of people from last year and they don't have that many people that have played in this tournament before as compared to previous years. So... I think that Lakaramaki, I think a good tournament, you know, I think a handful of points would like to see him get a little bit of power play time. I think that that's reasonable. Um, I think, you know, with the way he's been playing, I think if he can get, you know, a couple points in the group stage and, you know, assuming they advance to the to the medal round and, and to anything after um, the group stage, I think, you know, a couple points through this tournament, whatever, if, if they play know seven games in this tournament that you know if he can get you know three or four points I think that's a good tournament from him at this point just Mm. with the pace of production from this season um and the ice time that he may or may not be getting so it will be interesting to see what he does he played decently and international tournaments in the past has played pretty well in some of them certainly so um I think this is a chance for him to get his game back I think that this is a chance for him to boost his confidence, and I certainly hope that he uses it as that. I'm curious, as a scout, how much stock do you put into international tournaments like the World Juniors? Based on your experience, have the World Juniors been a really useful reference point, or do you think um, the evaluation aspect gets overrated? I think it's a mix. Um, I mean, I think... A lot of these junior tournaments, the roster building, the lineup building, it it gets a little political at times. So I think sometimes people are granted more or less opportunities than they deserve for for reasons other than their play. Um, So that's the first kind of thing I take into account with it. It's not present in every single coaching or lineup situation, but it certainly can be. I think it's maybe slightly different for me being a European scout versus people who scout the CHL or the USHL or, or people in the NCAA because you know, a lot of the best players playing um, that are draft prospects or people already drafted have gotten to play against men and have played professional hockey. So I think I might view this tournament a little bit differently. I think this is an interesting look at how they compete against people their age within their country if they're already playing in the SHL, but also how they stack up to other, you know, youth, um, youth team or U21 teams. I think that's the interesting look for me because some of these players, when they play in the SHL or Hockey Allsvenskan, they're not getting a lot of opportunities on special teams or just a lot of ice time in general. So I think that this can help me with those players and can help to also just look overall at the draft class for this year. I know there's a few players I think it'll be a better look at some of the U18 tournaments, certainly just for this year's draft class. But um, it's helpful, but it's certainly not, I think, the role it plays maybe with with people that scout players that primarily play in junior leagues I think the exciting thing will be watching some of the top players here in this tournament and specifically when when Sweden plays Canada 
Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch Fantilli, yeah. Bedard, Carlson play against right. each other. Do you have Leo Carlson at three, or where do you kind of have him shaped up against this top talent who we've talked about on the show a lot? So, if, if the Canucks can get in the top four, yeah. we're laughing. But where do you have Leo Carlson? So our Dabber rankings just came out this morning. We had him at four. That was a wow. big conversation to have. There was a <laughs> decent number of people arguing for him at three. Um, he's a great player. Like, you know, there's a lot of things I could write up about specific aspects of his game, but he is confident, well-rounded, and successful at the professional level at rates that, you know, you can, you can look at, like, NHL greats that hail from Sweden, and those were their production rates at the SHL around this age. So... I'm not saying that's what his result will be in the NHL. Who knows what it's going to turn into, but he is setting himself up for a lot of success in the NHL. And just overall, his ability to score and, you know, have a real offensive presence and and dictate the pace of play in the SHL is something that's really, really special in his game. I think a lot of players, when they play in the SHL, they can hang with the SHL players that maybe are more experienced than them, but they often don't set the tone. Hmm. And I think that's where he differs from people in the past. And that's why he's a really special prospect out of Sweden. One of the Canucks's uh, other interesting prospects who they, they signed after he yeah. uh, was a first round pick from the Minnesota wild, I believe in the 2018 draft was uh, Philip Johansson. And with Forlund, it seems like he's really taken the next step in terms of rounding his game out as a two way defender, I'm curious, what have you seen in his development, and do you potentially see uh, an NHL uh, future with him, considering the way his uh, his development is uh, is trending right now? I'm not entirely sold on him at this point. Um, I think there are some good aspects to his game. I think you know he's got a good shot. I think that it's not always the most accurate, but when it is, it's it, you know it looks pretty, and he's got a great one timer. I think you know that's that's easy to see, but. A lot of his production with Forlunda this year has been in the CHL. Um, so they're stacking up against teams that aren't generally even to their level of skill. You know, you're playing French teams or pl- playing teams um, even out of the Czech league, like just leagues that don't necessarily match up with the NHL and with Forlunda's ta- or SHL, sorry, my bad, but um, and Forlunda's talent. But I think he has some good aspects to his game. He's a good skater. I've been impressed by what I've seen from that. But I think overall, just his instincts, he can go invisible sometimes. I think just with how far out from the draft he is, I'm not going to take his draft pedigree into account because I think that that was a slightly controversial pick. But um, just in terms of his age and where he should be at to be on track to play in the NHL. There are other people his age that would have been his draft class that weren't drafted that I think maybe could deserve it more or or around his age that weren't drafted. And I think I'm not sold on an NHL career for him. I think maybe there's a chance if he finishes the season strong, maybe you could see him in the AHL next year, but I don't necessarily know that I see an NHL future for him. Just so hungry for a right shot defenseman in Vancouver. They'll, they'll, they'll cling. We're like, ready to cling on to anyone at this point. Uh, Alexa, we have a we have a question in the chat here that I want to get to. This is from Commander Vander. Sure, uh, yeah. They asked, "Do you feel that Karimaki will still get his power play time despite likely starting outside the bottom six at five on five? Um, I think it's also one of those earning it things. I assume this is about World Juniors, so I would say. I think he could get it. I think it depends on who they're playing. I think it depends on the score. I think it's a very situational thing, but I could seeing him, I could see him getting it. He brings a lot to the table for the power play. Like it's, you know, that's a very simple thing to look at. And I think that his skill set 
will it still makes him a threat on the power play though he hasn't been successful this season I could see him getting opportunities I think like I've said this is a young team this is an inexperienced team with world juniors and I don't know exactly what Magnus Havelid's coaching strategy is going to be for this tournament but I could very well seeing it be like this is our lineup if people don't play well we're going to switch it up and and that applies even in game you know I don't know that he's locked into a bottom six role if he's playing well I could see I could see a lot of playing around during the first few um first few games in the tournament especially during the group stage I think that you know they still need to figure out the chemistry whether he's with the other two players from your garden whether he's not um so I think I could see it happening he's not going to be a lock on the power play but and he's not going to be on the first unit most likely but I could definitely see him getting minutes I think final one we'll let you go on this one Alexa uh a lot of Canucks fans are going to be watching Sweden because we're excited to watch two of our prospects play here what is, what's something we haven't talked about that you're excited about to watch from Team Sweden here at the World Juniors? We've touched on Leo Carlson. We've touched on the Canucks prospects. But what's something that you, as someone who follows Sweden so closely, is excited with this tournament? I'm excited for Axel Sandin Pelika mm. probably the most. He's super opportunistic, super hungry. Um, he has taken advantage of everything that's come his way. And, you know, with this tournament, and as I've spoken about, kind of the uncertainty within the decor. I'm interested to see if he just takes this opportunity and runs with it. He's earned time in the SHL. He's played very well during his time and, um, you know, accumulate. He's got five points in 14 games this season in the SHL um, as a draft eligible defenseman, which is pretty good. Um, and I think that seeing him compete um, at World Juniors will be a very interesting thing because I think he's someone that people need to have their eye on for the draft, but especially for this team. Absolutely. I think he's playing with uh, with Patterson today, actually, as well. So, uh, Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, lots of ice time, actually, for them in the first period when I watched anyways. Lexa, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. As always, we love having you on here yeah. to chat about the Swedish prospects. Uh, and safe travels on your vacation here coming up. Enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, Alexa. happy holidays. Thanks, Alexa. That's Alexa Potak from Dauber Prospects. I've had her on in the past. Love chatting Swedish prospects with her. She's... You know, I like watching a lot of prospects. She watches a lot more than I do. So great perspective there on Team Sweden. And it will be interesting. Like, LeCare Mackey, listen, he's ultra-skilled. The stuff that he does on the power play is excellent. And and she kind of talked about him having good tournaments with – with the with the international play that he's been in. The U18s is probably what Alexa was mostly referring to, where he was just excellent points leader at that tournament. I think it was like 14 points in in eight games, something like that. A, A ridiculous amount of points. Kind of a reason why he shot up the draft board quite a bit and looked like a really good pick for the Canucks at 15. Things haven't gone his way so far this season, but like she said, this might be a good reset here and a kind of an area for him to gain some confidence heading back into the second half of his Al Svenskin team, because you've seen him play a decent amount harm, you know, like the skill is clearly there. It's just, can he tie it all together? And I think that's the worry that a lot of people have had so far, but he's still so young, still had to battle the concussion, still had to battle mono up to a certain point. Like, even young for his draft class. Yeah, young, small. Like, there, there's so much skill there. And we saw him at development camp where it was like, man, he, even though he was like, when we talked to him in the media, we're like, wow, okay, he is, he's a kid. Like, he is a skinny kid. He is an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, I think, at the time, kid. Making then, me in quads look like men. Yeah, you guys are, you know, beefing up. <laughs> You're going to wear the chain next time you talk to him. Uh, but, like, his shot still popped. Like, for the size that he was, for yeah. the strength that he likely has, his shot really popped at development camp. There's there's some serious skill there. The question is if he can tie it together at 5-on-5 five five, because right now up to this point in the season, he hasn't. He hasn't been able to do that at all. Yeah, and even at these World Juniors, considering how young he is relative to the competition, I'm not expecting him to drive the bus at even strength. If he can end up 
as long as he's not one of the players who's stapled to the bench. Yeah. During and, and high leverage puts moments, himself there. Like if yeah, he puts, puts himself, himself yes. in that spot. Like as long as he doesn't make the sort of mistakes that ends ends up it results in him justifiably being on the bench in let's say uh, the third period of a tight game against uh, uh, against a team like uh, like Canada or the United States. Mm. I think that's a win in terms of gaining even strength trust and trending in the right direction with his uh, with the with the responsibility of his five on five game. And then where I'm expecting him or where I'm hoping him to actually make a difference is hopefully in the power play where he has more time and space to operate and you can see some of those special individual skills maybe off the half wall or something. Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned it there. Like, you don't want to see the mistake because next year, like next World Juniors, he's the guy. You right? want him to be next the guy. Next year, he's the guy. Him and Leo Carlson probably the guys who, who are going to be the top-line guys for Sweden. So that's what you want to see this year. You want it to just be a build. It doesn't need to be a peak. You don't need to see him really like – rip up this tournament. I think there's there's even right wingers on this team like Fabian Lucell is going to be that for them. Yeah. He's going to be excellent in this tournament. But l- like you said, if you can just see sort of like a trend in the right direction as this tournament goes on, that's a win for Lakari Mackey. As for Pettersson, as as uh, I love I love when you throw back the Swedish pronunciation of Pettersson. That's uh, that's the way Alexa said it. Um for him it's just minutes, right? Like if he if he gets minutes in actual tournament play, awesome. If he's playing against you know, some of these top tier teams and getting 10 plus minutes, that's a win for me because he's going to play in this tournament next year. And he's already looking like he's earning a little bit of trust from the coaching staff. Uh, and I continue to say like he right now to me, like Elias Pettersson is the highest rising prospect in the Canuck system right now. He He's pushing for number one. If he has a really good tournament here and like earns that and really climbs up and continues to play good in the SHL, he could be surpassing like Mackey on my number one list as we move on here a little bit. But uh, as well as Koskenbo, he's going to be in this tournament as well, and uh, we'll see what happens with the goaltender there for Finland uh, if he continues to play well and earns some ice time as well. Let's wrap things up on a fun note. Christmas corner here. Um, Alex, we'll get to this. Alex, before we go any further, we want to bring you in here um, because you sent a video of watching. You were watching The Grinch this morning. Uh, I believe that was the cartoon one, and you've got kids, Alex. What is the the go-to kids' Christmas movie in the household right now? I guess this is Christmas Corner. This is Christmas Corner, man. Your favorite thing on the ticker down there, Alex. Uh, yeah, the Grinch. The new Grinch, actually. There's a the new Grinch. Grinch. New Grinch. Well, like for me, it was the new Grinch. Mm. What about, Are the kids scared of the old Grinch? I've heard that around a little bit. Like the actual live-action Grinch, does it scare the kids? No, like he... He goes through all his emotions watching that. <laughs> We're not fond of the the scene where the Grin, the young baby Grinch is angry and throwing the Christmas tree and destroying the room because our young two year old has decided to do that now. So that that's a lot of fun. Oh geez, yeah. Maybe stick with the cartoon one then for the next little yeah. bit here. Uh, but I wanted I wanted to wrap up a few other things before we get in here. Let's uh, let's look back on the year that was harm. Um, what was the most fun thing for you covering the Canucks in the year of 2022? You're not here next week. We're going to give you the Friday off yeah. to uh, let loose on your New Year's Eve uh, weekend. But what was the most fun thing for you in 2022 covering the Canucks? What did you have the most fun doing? I had the most fun being back in the locker room and mm. being able to uh, get to know players at a, at a deeper level. I mean, the uh, there were a couple of conversations in particular um, that stood out obviously just in general being able to to talk to guys and start building relationships but uh, being able to tell Luke Shen's story in mm-hmm. terms of 
the demotion minor league um, back in Anaheim in the 1819 season and uh, just understanding the adversity that he went through and being able to understand these players not only as elite athletes but as humans and understanding the obstacles that they've been through in life um, it's been it's been awesome connecting and learning about Shen's story early in the season it was great um, Unfortunately, still haven't found the right timing to drop it, but uh, on the road, uh, had a chance to talk to Pod Colson for 15, 20 minutes, and he really opened up about just uh, life in general coming over to North America, and it was really cool seeing his perspective, um, considering I don't think anyone can really understand what he had to go through coming over as a rookie last season. So uh, with him being able to talk to guys like Quinn Hughes again, um, and just being able to rekindle those relationships because that's going to pay dividends down the line when, um, you know, I've got projects that I want to work on. Um, and again, just trying to connect. That's what I love about the most about what we do is being able to connect the players and the fans and help tell those stories uh, just so that the fans can understand the players as, as people. Because I think that that's what makes it easier to root for a guy is knowing that, their that journey. That was lost a little bit in the COVID time because everything was on Zoom. Was. I've com- like completely noticed how different it is being in the locker room, how much more fun it is. And, and when you get a player in a good mood and they want to tell a story, it's fun to be able to be you know the vessel that's able to tell it to the fans. I'm, I'm 100% with you there. Yeah, there are some other couple stories that um, you know I've got uh, I've, I've got you know coming out, which... Uh, uh, related to minor league stories of, mm. of guys getting sent down for a bigger project that I'm working on nationally. And it, there's there's some hilarious things uh, in there that um, I'm really excited. I think that piece will probably drop late in January. I've spent a lot of time working on it. And even just being able to hear those stories, it's like, damn, you really went through that? And uh, <laughs> again, that would not have been possible um, during, uh, during COVID times. Well, I, I want to bring up, I, my favorite thing was development camp coming back. I was obviously listening. Of course, I love, I love the prospects, guy. but uh, be able to have that camp, get all these players from around the world together. That was my like favorite weekend of, of covering the Canucks for sure. But I also wanted to ask your favorite, uh, favorite trip that you did. Cause you, you were flying all around the world, all around North America, Mr. Worldwide, <laughs> Mr. Worldwide, <laughs> uh, doing it up, turning down Vegas trips, all of it. You know, you're going to bring that chain with you next time you go. Oh, of course. But uh, what was your favorite trip this year? New York, for sure. The yeah. week there in Manhattan, because they end up playing all three of those uh, of those teams, Rangers, Devils, and Islanders in that uh, in that area. Right. So I just stayed in Manhattan. And um, so Dranshard recommended going out to uh, Comedy Cellar on a, on a Tuesday night. And I'm just thinking, oh, like, usually it's just amateur comedians. So you go there, it's like... Uh, underground sort of dive bar-y sort of atmosphere, maybe like 30, 40 people in the crowd. And um, and so, you know, there's there are some amateur comedians, really, really, really good. And there's dinner included. It's like 30, bo- 30 40 American dollars, and you get dinner included as well. It's a great, it's okay. a great deal. Uh, you're like, um, you know, 10, 15 feet from the stage. And then around half an hour into the program, Dave Chappelle walks in, and Dave Chappelle is all of a sudden performing for the next hour. Then you get Chris Rock and Chappelle and Rock are performing. And they're like 10 feet away. I'm like, this, this experience is worth hundreds of dollars right now. That's and it was, crazy. it was an amazing sort of experience. And it was one of those where it's like, are they like, they took our phones away in the beginning just so like, you can't record anything. And it was great because it's like, you're in that present moment and, Man, those guys uh, absolutely ripped it up. It was like a month before the whole Chris Rock uh, getting slapped by oh, Will Smith God. thing, too. <laughs> so um, that was absolutely unbelievable. And Chappelle came off the stage, and he could tell that I was like looking at him, just like just because I was like, 
I mean, this is so strange. I would have never expected this. We didn't even know he was going to perform. And he could see, and, and, you know, as he's coming off stage, shakes my hand or whatever. It's just like, this is, yeah. this is New York. This is an uh, experience you won't get anywhere else in the world. And, you know, a dumb, lucky timing, I guess. <laughs> Man, my my story sucks now. I had a good, <laughs> I had a really good time in Penticton. I thought we, it was <laughs> that fun. was a lot of uh, fun too. Penticton was a blast too. We we had a good golf. You and I actually oh, did yeah. on the golf course. Oh, that was goodness. a lot of fun. We'll bring the clubs next time for sure. Yeah, but uh, Montreal was a good time too at the draft. Oh, yeah. That was obviously a good time as well. Just uh, kind of meeting with all the hockey world, and we're looking forward to the draft next year. Actually, in Nashville. So very much looking forward to that as well. But uh, hopefully the Canucks have a high pick. I'm I'm hoping that uh, Dave Chappelle shows up on a stage in Nashville. <laughs> you know, I've never been to like a comedy show. Before. Really? Yeah, never been to. I would a, highly like, recommend a club or, or anything like that. So yeah, I, I wanted to go here, but I think the one in Vancouver shut down after COVID. There is, no, there is. Um, for my birthday, uh, this past summer, I went uh went to some like amateur drop in mm. sort of thing, and those are I find those are really those are really good because some of them are hit and miss, but yeah. some of them are so bad that they're so funny, right? <laughs> and uh, it's, and I think it was like six bucks to get in or something. Um, and then of course, if there's an actual comedian that you like at one of those amateur um, ones, there was like a professional guy, uh, Hassan Phillips, who was just practicing material, and it was and he was unbelievable. And then when he ended up coming back to tour here, uh, uh, went to see him again. So I mean, absolutely, like getting a good laugh in so good for. Uh, you know, so good to get those laughs in. I think I am going to one in February actually here because my fiance has got like a couple podcasts that she listens to and they're also like comedians oh, yeah? on the side. So they're doing like a, a group where there's like a bunch of podcasters doing like a, a, a comedy tour. So I think I'll be at one here pretty soon. So excited for that uh, moving forward. But any, uh, any final wishes here? Harm, you've done the, I think this is your fifth Friday doing, uh, doing the show here. Anything for the YouTube chat? Anyone for anyone heading into Christmas here? No, just Merry Christmas. I'm glad Elias Patterson gave us all kind of a reason to keep watching because, boy, if it was another 5-1 sort of loss, it would have been, uh, you know, you already had people sort of understandably being like, man, it's it's getting tough to watch some of these games, especially the couple without him. So really glad that uh, he was able to do that. And to, you know, all, all you guys that listen to the podcast, all you guys that read our articles and participate in the live chat, like you guys are, you guys are the real MVPs. I mean, sticking it out through yeah. a phase like this during, during the Canucks' struggles, it's going to be that much more rewarding and fulfilling when they're eventually back on the upswing. And you can point to um, a year like 2022 and be like, I survived that. I didn't quit. I I was I was one in of those, the YouTube chat. I, I was one there. Of, I wasn't one of those fake fans that uh, that jumped off uh, jumped off the wagon. I, I watched JT Miller struggle at center and then find his way back on wing. Yeah. I saw Tyler Myers making a bunch of giveaways, and it'll make the success of the team that much sweeter. So you guys are warriors. You guys are troopers. Uh, you guys make it make uh, make a huge part of uh, of what makes it fun to cover this team. Very well said. Let's get out of here with the Betway wrap-up. We'll close it up because we do still have a Canucks game tonight. And by the way, it's been a good episode to finish. I feel like on a pretty positive note to finish yeah. off uh, before the Christmas break. Because listen, we could have gone down the road and worried about a lot of things. But Alexa was great. Love having her on. We'll definitely have her on. I saw some people in the chat asking for her some more. Uh, we definitely will uh, have Alexa on down the road again. She's one of our favorites uh, to get on here to talk sweetest prospects. Let's get to the Betway wrap-up. Uh, we got the Canucks game tonight. I got Leon Dreisaitl and Quinn Hughes both to put up two-plus points. You're getting that at plus 350 over on Betway, Betway, Betway. And then our second one, the big one. Canucks to win. That's right. I'm rocking with the Canucks winning tonight, mm. Harm. Over 6.5 total goals in the game, so a lot of goals, but also Connor McDavid and Elias Pettersson to score in that. You bet 10 that's bucks. That's not a bad. That's a, that's like 10 bucks one. will return you 170 there. I think like that this is pot this is like 
I wouldn't think that like this Didn't is a your one. Coyotes in, bet hit last week too. Last I think Friday? on the Friday did, but last night we almost had a big one hit too. If if the Canucks would have lost and Miller would have scored at some point, it would have been a huge. But this one, like I tell you what, this doesn't feel like a one in sixteen chance of oh, happening. No. This feels like a better than one in sixteen. McDavid chance. always scores. Yep. And like And if the Canucks are gonna win, Pedersen's gonna score. Yeah. Like that's the way it's gonna go. So I feel pretty good about that big one here today. What's uh, in terms of over six point five total goals? Is that um, as like both just teams combined? Oh, this uh, okay, okay. Bet the smart, house or what? Smart. I uh, I don't know about that. No, nah, you got to bet responsible. Bet the responsible way. That's what they say over there. Ah, uh, smart on man. Betway, betway, betway. All right. Thank you to everyone. Uh, enjoy the Christmas time. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to take the Monday off. We're going to take the Tuesday off, and next week as well. We're giving Alex the week off of this show as well. So we have our backup producer coming in. We'll see how Colin that goes. Delia. Yeah, our Colin Delia is coming <laughs> in. Uh, Alex, Merry Christmas to you as well. Anything you want to say to our listeners here? I know they've they, the pe- the people in the chat. They don't mention it that much, but I see on Twitter all the time. They love you, Alex. So anything you want to say uh, to the listeners of the show here before we close out for the Christmas break? Thanks for watching and listening, <laughs> and please watch and listen in the new year. <laughs> Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Oh, love your energy. Company man, Alex. (laughs) Man of the people. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Merry Christmas to everyone. We'll see you after the break. Enjoy the Canucks game tonight. Enjoy some time off here. Uh, You know, be with your families. Open some gifts. And uh, we'll see you on the other side next Wednesday. That wraps it up here for us at the Canucks Conversation. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.